So, how we typically kick these things off is I let you just have a couple minutes to introduce yourself, um, and then I'm going to go into just a conversation. I like to keep it real chatty. Um, so, tell people a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, uh, my background is, is football, always been football. Um, I've experienced, obviously, playing professional game. I always say, uh, whenever I meet someone, I know what it takes to make it, but I also know what it takes to, to be released or fail, as I used to call it. But um, yeah, I've been coaching for about uh, 20 years, um, playing semi-professional. Uh, I've worked in the office industry, um, so done a lot of things, but my, my, you know, my goal was, was to be in football and work with football. So if I couldn't play professionally, coaching was my own thing. Um, and as I don't do well with authority, I think setting my, you know, setting my own thing it was, the, was the best thing to do. Yeah. There you go. So how long? How old is 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 Wim's eleven? It's ten now? years this year. Is it? So October is the tenth birthday, so it should be hopefully a big year. Yeah. Um, we're going to look to kick off some festivities in the in the summer, uh, some parties and a few things with everyone. Invite anyone that's been involved over the last ten years. But it's been a it's been a journey. But I'm extremely proud to say that we've got the ten years this year. So it's a, yeah, a big milestone. That is a huge milestone. <coughs> so f- coming from someone that runs a business, I know it's. Uh, there's there's always ups and downs and whatever and it's um yeah any any big milestone like that it should be celebrated so that's fantastic um and just give us a little bit of a rundown of of whims 11 how it all works and so whims 11 is is uh it's got to me got two two areas to it now we've got whims 11 football academy um which was the original original name uh and whims 11 fc so about Three years ago, it was just Wims 11 Football Academy. We had our own development centres, uh, and the main biggest thing was Little Nipper Soccer. That's that's the foundation of the club. Uh, the Tots football is from 18 months. We've just started 12 to 18 month baby sensory classes wow. as well, which are incredible. Very very tough tough to run, but they've been, they've been popular. Um, so without Little Nipper Soccer, none of what we do now or the numbers that we have wouldn't be possible. That's the foundation of what we do, and the most important thing to keep right. Um, and, and the biggest part of the business. So, it, you know, it's, we've got mini nippers, which is 18 months to threes. Little nippers, we've got three to fours. Um, and then you've got the fast feet nippers under fives, five to sixes. And our under sixes then have whims of our development centers. And then, then feed straight into what we call our player pathway, which is whims 11 FC, which is the chartered standard, uh, FA chartered standard club that we've got uh, and a Nike partner club. Um, and we've got 16 teams at the moment, um, looking to move to 20 for next season. So uh, you've already got 16 teams Yeah, there. so under 12 and under with the, with the, with the biggest key local club. Close to you. Yeah, so we're the biggest local club at uh, under 12 and under, which is, it has its challenges, it's huge challenges. Team football is, is a whole different ball game. And I, I knew before I went into it a couple of years ago um, what it might, might entail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew there'd be challenges and I wasn't quite prepared for, you know, some of the challenges that, that it's been quite overwhelming really. Um, and to the point, I was always reluctant to start teams up, um, and for many reasons that you know, we'll no doubt we'll go into uh, shortly. But when I see the amount of children on a Wednesday night, you know, you've got all 16 teams out there, over 100 children all training, all dressed in the whims gear. It's extremely proud, mm. uh, and that's what keeps me going really. So it's 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 been a long, tough journey the last three years. There's a lot of work in it. You know, I put my I take my hats off to all the volunteers out there that do all the other clubs. Uh, they do a great job. Uh, not just obviously for, for whims, but you know the competitors that we play against as well. They all do a great job in football, especially the volunteers. And I'm just lucky enough that you know we've got the academy side of it that enables us to earn a living from it. Yeah, um, but it is tough. tough. I, I see it because um, <coughs> our boy Danny is uh, he runs his under sevens at Shrivenham. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, under sevens, under eights, and he's um, it's you know work as a PT all week. 
you're coming to tutor in and then on a Friday night when most people take are going to be having, yeah, take yeah. the boys out and, and go and go and play. And it's, and then a Sunday afternoon game every week. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a, it's a big ask for people to volunteer to do it. I, th- I think it's, we, so the Wims FC, because it's a charter standard club, we have to have a volunteer side of it. That's, that's an FA rule. So we have volunteer coaches that work. We have the paid coaches that some will do teams as well. Um, and they're full-time jobs. And if I'm honest, um, uh, you know, the guys might hear this, but the volunteer coaches are sometimes better than the paid. Are they? Um, because it's, a, it's an escapism. It's for passion, them, reality. It? It's a passion. The kids are doing it. Um, and I've got a, a fantastic team of volunteer coaches. They're, they're brilliant. Truly, truly brilliant. Um, they follow my philosophy um, and the identity that I want to see, the way my teams play. I want to see the way the boys train. They're hugely respectful of, of, of what, what we represent. And I can't ask for any more, really. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, very, very proud of the, the coaches we get. It's tough trying to find them because obviously we've got three more teams coming through next year from under sevens and they need volunteer coaches. Um, so it's so tough. And I'm sure all the other clubs, you know, Danny at Shrivenham will find this as well, to find that person that's willing to step up, mm. you know, take their badges because you need your badges to do it. You, you can't just come and coach like you used to. Your dad used to take it, need nothing. Yeah. Um, they all need their badges. They all have first aid. So it's commitment. It's time for them as well. Um, and you know, and it's 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 down their time. Mm. So it's you know, they do an amazing job. All the volunteers in football do an amazing job, and I take my hat off to, to every single one of them. Yeah. Um, but it's I still when they do come on board, I think the the biggest thing for me and the biggest challenge is they've got to buy into what you do uh, and buy into the philosophy of, of how we want the clubs to run. And I think you know that's one of the proudest things for me is that we do have an identity. Mm. You know, anyone that comes across a Wims team will know how our players will play what they expect they'll all take a touch they'll all be on the ball they'll all try and be brave um, and you know that's, that's good it's, it's nice to see that can you speak to anyone that yeah that's a women's team you can see that they're, they're taught the women's way so that makes me very proud that that's and it's important then for me then to try and make sure anyone does come on board that they continue that drive and we've also got to get the parents to believe in what we do Yeah. because you might see that try and take someone in the area for example he might be only seven they score and break or we'll have every five players no shape no formation just yeah. attack but that's just the way we do it because they're only six and you know when I was a kid and I was six years old I was dribbling in the back garden or dribbling on the field I didn't have anyone telling me what to do I just yeah. dribbled and scored um, and I kind of want to give that message to all the players in a structured environment and things like defending and things like shape and formation they'll get when they're older you yeah. know, when you're playing mini soccer just go and play and have yeah. fun and enjoy it and it takes a very, very brave coach to um, see players do that in front of their own goal and, and potentially lose games and concede games and have the parents. Yeah, of course. The time. So, um, you know, I've, I've got to give credit to our parents because the majority of them all buy into it. You know, you're not going to please everyone, which I get and I understand. Someone's kid's going to sit out a game or whatever. Yeah, I think we've got a policy with North Wilts, with North Wilts games that because it is development football from U12 and under, there's no points on the bar, there's no tables, so everybody gets game time. And because of our player pathway, we actually evaluate all our players, so they're actually put into teams that represent their level of ability. Right. Um, that brings its own challenge though, right? It does, because <clears throat> you've got, you know... Everyone's someone, kids are next messy. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is that as well. Um, again, but we've been kind of lucky that because we have an evaluation process in place and when people sign up, they, they, they know how we do it and what we do and what mm. they expect. So um, you get the odd he shouldn't be in that team or he should move up but you've got to stick to your guns and you've got you know it's tough to do that sometimes and it works mm. um, our under eights current under eight is probably our most successful group in terms of the size we have we have five teams at under eight level um, what we call we can community competitive and kind of advanced if you like if we can call it advanced at that age um, and we've got three of our eights 
all progress. They're all in kind of what they call the, the, the top division in North Wales, which is the tough side of it. Um, and they've developed and come from the lower leagues and up because of the way we develop them. And I see the development of players all the time, even our community players who are beginners, how quickly they respond and how, how quickly they get better as well. Um, but it's, it's managing it, it's managing expectations, it's managing yeah. your parents' expectations. Um, parents harder to manage than the kids to be honest uh, yeah they are um, I think whenever we go to a CPD course um, we're sat there with coaches uh, there's a great one that the FA do with the DNA which is their foundation phase of how they want coaches to do it and I often sit there and think we were the wrong people sat there you don't need to educate us you don't need to you know teach us this because it should be the parents that yeah they should be seeing what you're trying to do. And I think one of the biggest things that we're going to try and do moving forward for me at WIMS is ensure that we have more face-to-face meetings with parents to discuss our DNA and what we want to do, how we're going to do it. Uh, we, we kind of get that right most of the time, um, but it's a lot of work to do when you've got so many teams to, to get and to get everyone together at the same time. Mm. Um, and, you know, and team football comes with politics. And, you know, we're, we're dealing with an issue with one of our teams now. They've just upped and left because the coach didn't like what he, the coach wasn't a fan of what I did or how we did it. Um, so he, you know, he'd been doing it three months. Um, wow. He's brand new to it. I've known him for a long time, but that was, you know, I've got to respect the fact that he doesn't want to be a part of Wims. But what he has done is he's taken his whole team of lads that have been with us since they were two and they've all followed him. So oh. that's is, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's hard to take. Um, because we care a lot about the kids. This isn't a, a case of, you know, they can go, sod it, you know, gone. That's mm. not how we do it. And, and not. How do you, this question I've always had, right? How do you go, right, this kid is a defender, this kid is a winger. How do you figure that out? Uh, when they're, you, you can pick up on certain certain things. So there's a, there's a ladder and a tens. He just, from the age of seven or six and seven, he just always stayed away, stayed out of it and drifted. Um and love love tackling. He just is what he did. So our encouragement was, no, we're going to get you to brave on the ball because you may play anywhere else because at that age you don't know. But you just kind of pick up. And what we allowed to, because we don't, we play a shape if you like, and we we but we mix everybody up. Mm. So they've all got to go and play and try out different positions, which is important because you, you never know. Some might end up in goal. Um, but everyone takes it in turns in goal. Everyone takes it in turns up front, especially from under tens and under because that, that, you know, there is no point to get it. It's all about development. Um, and I think what we what we look for is where do they stand naturally? Mm-hmm. Uh, like my son, for example, who's, who's eleven with, with Billy, he naturally, even though he's a right footer, his early part started to drift out to the left and would cut in on his right foot and, and, and dribble and likes to run with the ball. So you kind of pick up on that. Um, one of his teammates likes to just sit back mm. and hold uh, and he was quick at recovering, so he's kind of just found his own position. Um, he may end up at right back on a full-size pitch. Um, but you, you just there's little traits that you pick up on and I think until you go to 11 v 11, you know, they may end up as a left wing back, right winger. It depends. Gareth Bale started as a left back a fourth. Yeah, two. of course he did. Uh, yeah, and now he's a, one of the best wingers in the world. So yeah, it's you, you never. I think you can pick up on little traits, but you can't be a hundred percent sure that's where they're going to be for life. Mm. Um, you know, there's goalkeeping stories where they, they had a going goal at thirteen, fourteen, and some of the top goalkeepers in the world do that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, there's there's loads of little traits you can look out for, and and that's what we try and do is we try and really the attention to detail with with the players is. Is I think for me hugely important, um, and we, I try and look at it when we are moving players. I call it a cross. I think we get oh he wants to move to the top team or move down. We don't want to label it like that. We want to move it. They move across. Mm-hmm. So if they're struggling in in the top team because they're playing against better players, we they're going to eventually lose their confidence because not, we, we can move them to another whims team where they'll they'll play with players similar ability mm-hmm. or to their level of learning if you like, um, and I think. 
the, the, the analogy that I try and use is if you've got a child in top set of maths at school and he's falling behind or struggling, you're not just going to keep him there because he's with his mates. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to move him down to the level of learning. And, and football, to a certain degree, although it should be about enjoyment, shouldn't be any different in terms of learning and development because even though you're keeping him in uh, with his mates and that's what he enjoys, eventually that's, that's going to be detrimental to his, his learning yeah. um, and his enjoyment, which is most important. And we always try and look long-term rather than short-term. And I think a lot of you know, people in football at grassroots will, will be about short-term yeah. and they don't think about the bigger picture. Um, you know, we've seen lads at 10 and 11 where they're six and seven been playing for so long already and that they're falling out of love with the game already because they're bored. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, keeping them engaged is tough because they start so young. I don't know what it's like when you were younger. Yeah. It's, there's a lot to talk about the same sport, same sport stuff now. Yeah. I know it's in America, it's a big thing. Yeah. Like they should play season or so basketball season, American yeah. football season, baseball, whatever it might be. And it, in order to try not to make them specialize and it kind of works to make them kind of better in the sport that yeah, they yeah. choose in the end. Yeah. So like a LeBron James used to play American football and yeah. now you can throw a ball anywhere in the stadium and he'll catch it. Michael so, Jordan baseball is a pure, yeah. I think senior schools do that in England. You, you, you go to senior school, you do rugby, you do cricket, you yeah. do cross country. I, I did that, you know, I went to Braden Forest and I did every sport. Um, but it wasn't until I did it at senior school. But then in junior school, it was kind of it's a PE teacher ran it. And they weren't yeah. a PE teacher, it was a teacher doing PE. And yeah, you'd yeah. go out and they'd pick up uh, be bean bags and, bean stuff. Bag yeah. and you know, stuff like that. So when you went to senior school, everything became sport specific. And I know they do that now, they're obviously the seasonal sports, which is great. But I, I'd encourage anybody out there to do more. And I know the pro clubs, the top academies, are encouraging kids to go and find other alternatives. Mm. Um, a couple of the local pro academies, they do boxing, they go and yeah, do boxing training. They've, a lot of them do that, don't they? Yeah, and it's these are important important things. And I think when you, sometimes they play too much football, I think, you know what? I don't, they might do if it's structured. Yes, they do go to too much football or too structured. But it's no different to when you're a kid because if you take them away from that or they played out on the field, they go and play with the ball. Mm. Um, when we were younger, we were outdoors every day playing I football. I used to always play games. Yeah. Finish school, come home, play football. Mm-hmm. So do they do more? I think they do more structured. Mm-hmm. But in terms of free play, maybe that's more you know, what we like to But encourage. to be fair, a lot of the time, your kids aren't going out in the evenings no. for, <clears throat> for fear of, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's, it, it kind of makes sense. They, they're replacing one with the other. And the crazy way. thing is the world's probably a safer place now. Yeah. Because yeah. we're more aware of everything that's going on. Yeah. But, you know, we install, I think we install that, you know, that fear. I try with my children to be a little bit independent and go out and play. Yeah. You know, we live in a nice area in Swindon and it's, we've got, a, you know, a huge field around the back of us. Um, to get them off those PlayStations, to get them out of the house. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's go out and play. Yeah. Um, take a ball and go and play. So I try and install that with, with my children and, and that independence. But it's, with a, this day and age, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's a tough to do that. Interesting. So you said, I'm going to double back because you said yeah. we'll talk about it in a minute, um, not wanting or not being sort of super keen to start new teams. Yeah, it's, I think because of, the politics that you surround us. So what I'm going through right now with the under sevens and all I'm, all I care about is the children's enjoyment and children's development. That's mm. it. I don't care about anything else in, in terms, but it's not as easy. It's never as easy as that. Um, when you have to deal with the politics that come with, with team football, it, it, it takes away the enjoyment mm-hmm. um, for anyone involved and takes away enjoyment for me because you, you're not just talking football. And I think the frustrating thing is it's, if it was 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, it's slightly different because you, you, you do have different areas of the game that come into play, um, you know, social concept. But when they're just six and when they're just seven, yeah. it's, it's, just, it's just playing. I yeah. just want them to go and play. 
Um, you, you don't want to be dealing with the gossip and this player should be there, that player should be there, he should be doing this. And I guess because of the way we do it, that's you know partly our fault because we open ourselves up to that, that criticism. Um, but I think when you go back, let's, let's talk our under sevens, only five months before that, they're coming over as under sixes. There is not a single, unless the coaching's really bad, which you know you might get that sometimes, is there's not a session that's been really great or mm. you get incidents which happen with any business, but generally speaking, they're under six, they come and they just train. Yeah. There's no egos, there's no expectations, and they go into a team and it changes completely. It just, the, the, the whole thought process changes. And it's so wrong, it, it, it shouldn't change. Mm. They're, they're only five months away from turning seven, or they're still, they are seven, but not even eight yet away from that. They're in you know, year one at school. Um, and it's, it's, it's frustrating because it should just still be about the individual and about the player, but, but now all of a sudden they have to be team players. Yeah, yeah. They should be stood in shape, they should be formation. You're, you're not playing, there's no defenders, two should stay back. Well, no, mm. because again, you go back to that being brave and losing games. Um, you know, you learn a lot from losing games because all I'm interested in is, is playing. And I heard a story the other day of, um, about a Dutch coach that was taking a, a youth team over there. And I think one of the Ajax players, I can't remember his name now, is, is, was the reason behind the story. Um, and the goalie was throwing it to him and he gave it away for about seven times in a row and they scored. And the parents were going nuts. But the coach said, take it again, do it again, roll it to him again. And he got out. Mm. So eventually he got out. And now, because the coach was brave enough to go, no, keep going. I don't care if we can see goals, who cares? Mm. And that's kind of what we try and get across and kind of the message. But it's like I say to any of the coaches that come up, you need to be brave. Mm. You have to be, and it's hard. Don't get me wrong, because I love winning. I yeah. love winning. And if I have a bad, if I hear these women's teams that are losing, it's still, I'm, I can't let it show that it hurts. Yeah. But it still annoys me. Of course. Um, but it's, it's the way we're going to play. And I said my, my mantra at the beginning of the season, when I sat down with all the coaches, I went, we're going to concede goals this year. And they all looked at me in a bit puzzled. I went, because we're going to attack. Mm. We're going to get on the ball. We're going to be brave. I'm going to dribble. We're going to run with it. We're not going to shout pass, 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 because I know everyone jumps on the Barcelona way. You're a, you're cool. a big Barca fan you yourself. Uh, it's very, very hard not to watch them want to do that. Yeah. But, you know, those players, when they were younger, dribbled it, ran with it. And yeah. I, I guarantee you no one told Messi to pass the ball as a kid. Absolutely not. No way. Come and get it off me. Yeah, so with Ronaldo. <laughs> and that's, and we, you have to be brave to encourage that. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's got their co different coaching ways, but our way is be on the ball and be brave. Um, and be, be prepared to receive under pressure. And if we can teach that at a young age, um, and I know the England DNA is huge on it, they're massively on it, and it's kind of weird because the DNA came after I was already doing this anyway, so mm. I'm quite pleased that, you know, what I've been doing is, is kind of what, the right way, I guess, or yeah. the way the England see it. And you can see the success of the England teams now, yeah. um, at youth level and, and youngsters and how good the England team are playing now. And that's a huge difference from when I watched England a few years ago and, and in the World Cups is the ability to receive the ball under pressure. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's changed. And that's going on on all youth teams, hopefully, uh, around, the, around the country. That's really good. Um, so it's, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's tough, but you've got to be brave. That's the biggest key word, brave. Yeah. Be brave. Have <laughs> you had, um, so 10 years, when you first started, have you had any players that have, have gone on to... I think, as no, as, as a club, so um, another reason why I set Wims FC up is because when, obviously, they got to five years old, we lost a lot of customers because they all went to play for teams. Yeah. We didn't have that in place. Um, so a few years ago, I just decided, mainly probably because of Billy, really, because he was 11, he's always wanted to stay with, with, with Wims and, and Noah, my stepson, too. Um, I just created two teams. They're only a year apart, I think. It, so we went under eight. We were just playing some friendlies. 
and I just made the decision, you know what, I think, I think we're ready. So we kicked off our first inaugural season in the North Wilts League with eight teams, uh, you know, straight off. Mm -hmm. You know, some just did one or two. We went straight with eight teams um, because we had the numbers. And that's the key about the foundation. So our under fives right now will be going to under sixes. And then we will try and open up a whole different way of coaching from the, the fun, crazy. We're still at, that silliness will still be there because they're still so young. We have to remember that. But that pathway is so important. So right now we've got, you know, 45, 50 under fives which wow. we want to be able to do 45, 50 under sixes. Yeah. And then they go to under sevens. We're not going to keep them all, but that's potentially another four teams coming through in, in two years time. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of work to do, but we have to obviously keep them happy um, and keep them enjoying their football. Um, when they get to under sixes, now we've introduced the war, they have to buy a women's training kit. Mm -hmm. So they train first and the under sevens will be ready to go. So they, these children see these under sevens in this kit. Yeah. And we're like, okay, they can get, see they, what they want in that kit. They will get graduate own, towards you know, it. Yeah. get their own little squad numbers that are unique to them. So once they, regardless of the level of ability, you know, if say our community beginner had number 11, no one else in his age group can have that number. Mm. That's his number now for his lifetime. And we got someone wearing 99, someone wearing 45. I think he's a little boy, 27. Now he has it on his school bag, on his lunchbox. So these are great little stories yeah. I like to hear. And I always used to say, you know, these are sometimes things that you only get at a higher level of football. Mm. Why can't everyone have that? Mm -hmm. Let's just have an environment where everyone can have that. Um, and I like to, to think that I've seen a number of teams change in terms of the way they look, how they dress, you know, stand-up kit gone up. And I like to think on a small part, women's have had you know, something to do with that because mm. we've often been accused of sometimes being a fashion parade. But I believe in uniform. I believe in looking the part. Um, across the board um, professionalism right absolutely yeah and the same with the coaches as well there's nothing worse frustrating and I, I get it they're volunteers and it's expensive gear is expensive you might know that yourself it's not cheap um, but I want every coach to be wearing women's gear I, I don't want someone to be in a pair of jeans and just a, a women's top it's, it's not professional for me and, and not look and not the look that I want um, and I hope I hope at one point rather than just go right you can get DBS you can get your first aid etc that everyone that represents a club will have a a name tag or mm. in terms of a coaching um, like a lanyard, lanyard yeah. Yeah. Um, and they wear a uniform um, because I think that's hugely hugely important and it, it, you can then identify who's coaching sometimes you go and watch games and you can't identify who the coaches are as opposed yeah. to that and I think <clears throat> you know we, I, I do I really I appreciate where people come from it's expensive we've only got one team the budget's tight but um, I think it's a case of you know the FA maybe helping more and f funding it a little bit more reducing the kit especially the Nike partner clubs as well um, there's a lot of money going into the game, so you know, let's let's dress them. Let's dress the. Yeah. You know, if they're struggling, let's dress them. Yeah. Um, and let's help. And I, you know, I call to all businesses really. If they, you know, there's no better way. We're looking, looking for a new sponsorship as well. Um, but any sponsorship can help. Mm. Um, not just WIM, but any any team out there. You know, get involved in kids football or, or grassroots sport um, because it is hugely hugely beneficial for the children for their social um, uh, mindset hmm. um, and, and life in general, life in general, but yeah. Yeah, good. <clears throat> um, so we also, before we went on air, we were talking about a couple of your playing days stories. Mm -hmm. um, so I particularly like the Glenn Hoddle one. So just, I, I, I want to bring that one back up. So go ahead through that one. Uh, so basically Glenn Hoddle made me uh, look silly. No, I think it was it was it came from you asking. Obviously, he's the best player I've played with. Yeah. Um, now I was lucky enough to come up through Swindon as, as when Glenn Hoddle was was first team coach. I just started when Ozzy Ardiles was there, so he'd set up a new way of playing. Um, and you think about formations and playing three at the back and sweeper. Glenn Hoddle was doing that at Swindon in the Championship, mm. you know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, and it, <clears throat> growing up and watching him every week, 
being a mine, even though I'm not a Tottenham fan, he was still a, you know, an England hero of mine. He was out of this world. And I, had, I was very, very lucky enough to watch him. When he went to Chelsea, I was in Swindon's uh, youth team and we had a reserve fixture away at Stamford Bridge. Um, and I think I was in awe for, and I knew that he was starting and he was playing. I thought, oh, this is amazing. I get to watch him play and I'm this close to him. You know, it's brilliant. And he even said hello whims at the start of the game because obviously, you know, recognised us from, from Swindon days, which even, was even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that about him and John Gorman. John Gorman was brilliant at it. Um, but, you know, we were warming up and Andy Much um, grabbed hold of me as I was warming up as a sub and told me to stop running because I was busy and it was making him look bad. And he's a senior pro in his late thirties at the time and obviously you know, played at the top level. So naturally being a 16, 17 year old, I'd stopped warming up and just stood there pretending to do a groin stretch yeah. uh, for about 20 minutes. Um, and then I'd jog back to the dugout and say, I'm ready to go, which you're never, you're never ready to go. So we got in a half time and we were losing, um, not playing very well. Uh, and Steve McMahon was in the stands and I didn't know that. And he was obviously the new first team manager. And he came down and he ripped uh, ripped into us uh, and I mean scarily ripped into us he had that he had that knack I wasn't I wasn't a fan I was a massive he was a big hero of mine Liverpool fan I wasn't a fan of his man management and I didn't do very well with with, with that way of uh, coaching if you like but I was told that I wasn't going to go on I wasn't going to get a contract because I didn't warm up properly um, right. and he, you know he said in no uncertain terms to the reserve manager with lots of swear words do not put him on right so I come out for the second half and I sprinted up and down the line for about 20 minutes and I wore my legs out. Uh, I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran. I was probably the busiest person on the pitch. Even Andy Much was doing it as well. So I didn't feel too bad. Yeah. Uh, and then I got the call, Wimsy, going on. So, oh, and I'm blowing. Yeah. And I'm blowing. You're going to go and stand in the middle of the park. And the words were, stand on hoddle. <laughs> what? Brilliant. So the ball came to him and I went to close him down and he just did something that I don't even know what he did. And I, like I said to you, I, I felt like clapping. I was yeah. like, wow, what a touch. And I'm just looking at him, a big smile on my face. I'm looking over at the bench and I get a frown upon him because he's, he's run rings around me and he's what, you know, I'm 18, seven, well, 16, 17, I must have been. He must have been late 30s, yeah. nearly 40. But he just, it's just in awe. Yeah. Um, and it, brilliant, brilliant story. Obviously, not a great day because we lost and we didn't play very well and I didn't play very well. Um, but at the time, I, I was sad disappointed upset i've been shouted out upset that i hadn't played very well but when i talk about this now yeah no he was yeah what a player what yeah yeah and i've seen you know he's made senior pros look silly not just an 18 year old so yeah yeah. there's been a few occasions like that when you come up against Ily dumitrescu did it we played tottenham reserves at whitney um and i started at left back and it's a really really strange thing because i was playing in behind the front two for the youth team and the regular left back wasn't playing the reserves i was playing ahead of him because I had a left foot and a lot of times if you had a coach at left foot and I like to think mine was mine was okay um, I got stuck at left wing back because I had an engine I could run um, so I got stuck at left back and I had Ily Dimitrescu you know fresh from 1990 World Cup yeah. Romanian international unbelievable player his first touch was to nug me, nutmeg me when I closed him down so I fell on my bum got back up to closing down again he nutmeg me again oh my um, God. and that was my I was like but it just it, you you learn from it and I think you there's different ways of defending that you can stop that from happening but because you're eager and you you, you, you yeah. want to put on a show I think it was so they were tough they were, they were a tough time but great experiences to play against players like that yeah. um, you know there's been some really positive moments not just about me getting nutmeg just left back <laughs> I've done some good stuff some might say that's why you got released <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah but um, <clears throat> we played at uh, there's you know Leicester Emo Heskey played he was in the first team at the time we had him in the youth top um, and he was there's a great great story 
So our centre-backs were going up to head the ball in a clearance and he was a brute and mm. he would bring it down on his chest. So they were heading into the back of his head. And I remember this story of this and Tommy and uh, you know, Tommy were both going, we're going to head it. They're going, Tomos! And they're jumping up to head the ball and he's like, bang! And they're heading him in the back. Yeah. He's the same type, but he was just massive. Yeah. Um, and we drew one all. I actually scored a, one of my best ever goals at the county ground. Um, I've cut in and bent it in the left and then we conceded the last minute. You know, they had three first-team players playing at the time. Um, the replay at Filbert Street, we lost comfortably. But for some reason, the coach put me as a sweeper. And Mioeski was just, boom, see you later, gone. And I had another one of those games. So yeah. I'm not going to fulfill this podcast with stories of uh, my uh, <laughs> poor defending. Um, but it, these are, you know, great experiences and, and great times that you yeah. talk about fondly. And when my kids say, who have you played against? Oh, I've played against him. I've played at this ground. It's yeah, yeah. You know, great, great memories. That's and some funny ones too. That's what you want. You don't want you want a career that was filled with that sort of stuff rather than filled with just. I think oh, I, I, I'm going to say there's more positives than there are Absolutely. bad defending, but you know we'll be here all we'll be here all morning. We haven't got that much time. So, <laughs> um, so I wanted to also we sort of discussed earlier on um, just to bring up recent issues, recent things that you've obviously dealt with and and gone through, and um, just wanted to to have a chat with you about about the impact of that. Uh, so people are going to listen to this and kind of go, well, elephant in the room. You've got to yeah, talk yeah. about that. So I don't necessarily need to go over everything that happened, but, but how has that impacted you? How has it changed you? What's, what's happened since? I think since uh, it's, it's, it's a tough one, really, because my, my actions since have, have been to seek counselling. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it was a long, long line time coming. I mean, I never, ever thought to myself that I needed it because it's a pride thing there. No, I can deal with this. I can deal with all these issues. Um, you know, what happened to me last year, I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, it was horrifying. Um, and mentally, I battle with that to this day now. Yeah, I might obviously put on a brave face. Uh, and I'm, I'm better um, from it. But it's, it's the impact for me personally, um, for my mental mindset has been huge. But, you know, often before, if I go back before, before that happened, there, there, something wasn't quite right. Um, you know, there was a, an element of my behavior away from the limelight, if you like, away from family that, that wasn't, wasn't acceptable. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't doing anything to, to stop it because I was going to say the first was, thing people will yeah. say is, oh, well, you don't. No, no, you, you, you know, you, you deserve it. This is the who you are. But I, I knew something was wrong. And it, just before, obviously, this kicked off, I remember thinking to myself, I've had experiences in Canada where I've, I've lost jobs. I've lost coaching jobs through reckless behavior. And I think for me, it was, it would be okay for a few months. I'd deal with it. I'd move on, put on a brave face, get out there again and, and carry on. Um, and I've, I've had to have my own real, real mental mindset to come over some, to get over some and just carry on with normal life because that's kind of what I had to do. Um, I would go away and do what I did and then scream at myself and then go, right, you know, back to it, back to reality. Um, until that, you know, that fix, if you like, I, I call it a fix, you know, started to, to play again. So I think since the counseling has been brilliant, I've had, I had 20 sessions of, of counseling through the PFA. Um, I was truly grateful. I never realized that I could get that. I still hadn't, I hadn't, and I should have, I should have sought help earlier, but mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, but the impact is that on my family, the impact is that on kids, we, we, we go around the streets and my first, every time I run past someone, for example, when I'm out running is they're looking at me. Do they know? Yeah. Have they seen it? Um, and I drive around, obviously I've got whims all over my car, so I'm, I'm there to shoot down, yeah. but it's, do they know? And it's, have they seen it? And I think the answer is most people haven't or know about it. Um, you know, I had people from Canada, I had people from America, people from Dubai, Australia, mm-hmm. it got sent everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's the power of social media. So what I wanted to do then was, go, you know, seek the counseling that I did, you know, and work towards changing habits. Yeah. Uh, and I think the biggest message that's come from this is that it's habits. Um, they talked a lot about the football career being released and how that's affected me, how I've not overcome being released, being rejected, because all the behavior that's linked is, is, is the fear of rejection. Um, and the, I think it, they called it uh, compulsive sexual disorder, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't mind bringing that up. Uh, it's recently been diagnosed by the World um, Health Organization as a, as a disease. Um, so that is something that I've looked into, I've read a lot about it. It's, it's very, very not known about, if you like. So it's, it's not common knowledge. There are a few groups out there, which I'm tempted to go and, and speak to and join. Um, but, you know, the counselor just brought this article in one day and everything I talked about, she just was highlighting it in this, this article. And it all, it all resonated with, with my mindset, it resonated with what I'd done, my actions. Um, you know, the impact that's had on my family is, you know, my, my wife has been through um, a lot mm. with me. There's a lot that goes on behind closed doors, and some people will say, "Why the hell is she still with him?" But you know, it's, she's stuck stuck by my marriage, and she's been a massive, massive help for me personally. Um, and my, I look at my kids, and I think I need to protect them, um, yeah. and I haven't, and I didn't. Um, and that's 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 the saddest thing that's come from this, because you know, you know, my two boys that have walked past, you know, kids in the street, teenagers, and they've made comments, yeah. um, and I've then been asked questions and awkward questions. So there's been a lot of looking in the mirror. How much do they know? Uh, they know something happened. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to go, you know, we don't want to go into the detail. You know, my eldest son was, was 16. That was horrific. I mean, I literally had to tell him, you know, what happened because yeah. he was at that age where he's, you know, he's rife to social media and, and, and gossip. So um, it wasn't, it, it wasn't nice. No. Um, and it's something that, again, like I said, I would never want to wish through. But I think uh, when I look back and say, do I deserve it? Maybe, maybe because of, of what I was doing, but I don't think anyone deserves that to happen and you know hopefully the police will um will catch who did it um and and you know and they'll get the justice that they deserve for that because it, it was what happened was for me was pure evil um but it's my fault mm. you know i put myself in that position i put me i was putting myself in those situations on a regular basis um and pretty much i've done that for my whole adult life ever since i got released from football um, and I put it down to being released and, and not dealing with it. I, I do, I, I generally put it down to the th- rejection. Um, being from the age of nine to 18 and being the best things in sliced bread. You know, you're put on a pedestal, you're, you're put onto this mantra of being a great player. You, you, you're patted on the back all the time to then being gone, dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never dealt with it. You know, up until the age of 30, I still think I was going to make professional. That yeah. was my mindset because I went out to play semi-professional football and I was like, who's watching? Someone's going to be watching. I need to have a great game because I still wanted to make it. And my mates would often go, let the dream go, Williams, let it go. And I struggled with it. Yeah. You know, and I, I did struggle with it. And I've, I've since this has come through, the, the, the amount of support from me personally has really, really surprised me. And I'm massively, massively grateful for it because, you know, I thought everyone was going to hate me. I was going to say, um, did you get a lot of backlash? Two death threats. Really? Yeah, I had two death threats. Um, random phone calls. Um, we were getting phone calls in the middle of the night. With, with typical drunk guys, probably down the pub on a Sunday, watched it and seen it and were, were discussing it and talking about it. And so the phone naturally ring me up, talk mm. about it, you know, and uh, pretend to book their children on with fake children and then make a reference to, to what they saw. So, um, you know, there was gifts out there or, or whatever they're called on, mm. on social media. There were Twitter messages and stuff like that. The, the biggest thing for me impact wise was, you know, with the loss of our Support and Imagine Cruising, uh, the, the sponsorship, mm. pull, they pulled out immediately. 
Um, we had two schools pull out immediately, you know, and that these were like, wow, this is. But I think Imagine Cruising came back on board a couple of weeks later, um, as of one of the schools now as well, because I think the knee jerk reaction was it was huge. Mm. It was a massively knee jerk reaction. I think when people put it into context, I think they realised that regardless of what it was about, you know, I, I didn't actually do anything wrong. Mm. You know, there was no nothing illegal. There was nothing to do with children. There was you know no harm to what I did. Know how I did my job, nothing. So, I think the message from it there is that I've had a lot of support from that. And you know, people might see you as a role model because I'm working with kids, but and I get that. I understand where they're coming from with that viewpoint. But you know, what I did was private. It was a, it wasn't in a public domain. It wasn't out there for everyone to see. It was between two consenting adults. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I I'm not going to sit here and make excuses because you know I was in the wrong for what I did and what I was doing and what I was doing at the time. And I think. The positive that's come from this is that I've hit rock bottom mm. personally and it's enabled me to really really go and get the counseling take a look at myself and, and try and make these changes to to move forward uh, and to improve um, and to protect those closest to me and to protect what means the most to me which is obviously whims 11 mm. uh, and the business and you know that's my goal and, and what, I've, what I want to do and how I'm gonna go about it yeah I suppose do you know what it, it's if you just sat there and said constantly like I've hit rock, but I'm the victim, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, then people probably could rightly say, well, hold on a second. But if that's how you're hitting it head on, like I didn't hear much from you afterwards. I didn't know what your strategy was once everything happened. Um, Whether you were like, right, I'm going to do some sort of a release. Were you getting phone calls from parents or were people just like, whoa, whoa, I'm just going to back off for a minute. Like how did that? I think it was, so the, the day it got out, the night it got out, the next day I was out on the field coaching mm-hmm. facing wow. everybody okay. the very next day um and i've done that since i've done that since did I'm you address sure. it or no no so <laughs> it's a tough thing really because and it's strange really because I, I spoke to a parent at, at one of billy's swindon schoolboys games we were chatting away and i was talking like this if so to screen and he went what's happened oh well wow. oh, i just assumed everyone knew yeah um, and that's kind of like well, i don't know who knows and who doesn't know and i think there's a there's a demographic of of where it went mm-hmm. And then from that demographic, people have got wind of it. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not afford to say it was shared everywhere. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it's my, my, I didn't want to release anything purely because of the police investigation. Yeah. That was one of the other things. I just wanted to go about protecting my family, yeah. working on me um, and loving me again. I think that, that's been a long, long time since, you know, I might come across as quite a confident guy, maybe a little bit arrogant. Mm. Um Someone described me as Marmite uh, not so long ago. Parent, he's, he's, at least okay. he's consistent, but you love him or you hate him. Um, and I think it just it was, but there's more to me than, than meets the eye. Mm. You know, I'm a, a big family person in terms of how I am with my children at home. You know, I'm a tentative at home. There's there's a different side to me that you know only certain people will see. Um, yeah. that I don't let people in. And I think for me, it was just a case of focusing on those mm. um, and for what's important because what I was doing, I wasn't. You know, I was forgetting about those. Yeah. I wasn't protecting anybody. Um, you know, my coaches, my staff, you know, these are all people that have been affected by this. Um, and they've, you know, my volunteer coaches have had to deal with questions. You know, my wife went to a, she's our safeguarding officer. Mm. Um, and she went to a safeguarding event and another chairman came up to her and went, oh my God, did you hear about the whims? And she's like, well, yeah, she went, I can't believe it. is he still there? He's still at the club. And she went, oh, actually, he's my husband. And she went, oh, oh. 
So it's okay. you know she's been putting questions like that and had to not only to deal with the humiliation of of, of seeing you know what happened mm. um she's had to deal with, with a lot and i credit to her she's you know with, with the two young children that we've got and our own you know postnatal depression that she suffered with with jude um you know i take my hat off to her because mm. she's been an incredible um strength and i sometimes might not show that and i get a bit impatient um but it's it's, it's baby steps and one step at a time so um i've often thought about this is the first time i've spoken about it publicly yeah, yeah. And I wanted to do it with with someone that I trusted and someone that I, you know, um, to put my message across really, because no one's heard my story before. And mm. I, I did something on Instagram um, a couple of months afterwards, I saw it. Um, and it was it meant a lot to me to do that because it's first. And there was a, a person that that wrote on it and kind of tried to do a message of support, but it ended up battering me, um, talking about me being a role model. And it wasn't about that. I wasn't discussing, you know, I wasn't discussing the video. I wasn't mm. discussing what happened. I was discussing my journey and what I thought was wrong and how I wanted to address it, but it enabled. But that social media opens it up to of other does. things. So I quickly removed it, um, and then felt disappointed. That I did mm. because it got a lot of support, um, and someone then sent it to me. Um, uh, they had it on their story, I believe, and I, I posted it again um, and just removed and blocked that person. So I think. What I will do is, is any negative people that there are in your life, and my dad's often spoke about this, is just remove them, mm. you know, because they're not important, and it's true. Um, and I've, I've enabled, I found out who my real friends are, mm. massively. I mean, one of the biggest stories was a, a girl called Emma who I was long-term friends with at school would message me straight away, I'm worried about you. Can mm. we go for a walk? Yeah. Um, and she was brilliant, and that message was great. And when I went and spoke to her, she'd had someone that I thought that I'd fallen out with, um, and I know why he backed off because he knew what I was doing and he didn't like it. I think his, his wife didn't like it. Um, and I always thought, well, I've never done anything to him. Mm. And this is, that, was my, that was my mindset. I've never, I've not done, how have I, I've never hurt him. Why, why is he not talking to me? But I didn't ever understand why they did what they did because I would never do anything to him. And if he came to me and wanted to I would because mm. that's who I am. Um, you know, my best friend's, you know, wife was, wasn't a fan um, to the point where she didn't want me around the house. And I was fuming with him. I would never do that to you. If my wife didn't like you, sod her, I don't care. I, she can stay, but I didn't see a point. I didn't, it was, I was so wrapped up in, well, I would never do that to them. Yeah. Didn't see how the effect that has on them. So that's, it's kind of opened up my, my mindset, mm. which I think is hugely important for me to do, um, to the point now I understand. And when Emma spoke to me, went for this walk, she went, look, you know, you know, Mark, his name was Mark. He's, I don't need to say his last name. He's phoned me and said, I'm worried about him. I've not heard from him. He's not spoken to me, but right. he'd actually had reached out to someone else. Um, I'm worried about him. Can you speak to Tomo? He was my best friend in Canada at the time. Can you speak to Tomo and uh, um, make sure he's okay? Yeah. Um, I saw him. I've seen him out and said hello. I've not mentioned it to him. I, I want to go and say, look, thank you. I know what you said, but yeah. uh, I just don't feel, you know, he's got his reasons for saying that. We've known each other since we were kids. Yeah. Um, so it meant a lot uh, to hear things like that. Um, you know, there's a, there are people that have also backed off, yeah. you know, which I understand mm. uh, and I get. Um, but the, the important thing from this is some valuable life lessons have been been learned, um, and I'm addressing them. Yeah, uh, that's the main thing that I'm addressing them. And I'm not going to say here that everything's perfect right now or, or rosy because there's, there's a long journey ahead. It's only been you know several months, um, so there's a lot of rebuilding to do, not for myself, um, which will bring me onto the fitness side of things, which yeah. I've kicked back into uh, as well. And I'm very very proud to say that I've got into that now. Mm. 
Um, and it's massively, massively helped. I was listening to Danny about mindset yeah. um, on his Kilimanjaro story, and I cannot agree with him so much. Yeah, uh, it's hugely. The story gives me goosebumps. Oh, like I listen to him talk. That final, that final, um, uh, like minute of yeah. that podcast. I deliberately just didn't say anything. I was no. like, just, just run with this. Like, because it's for anybody going through anything. It's so good to listen to someone mm. like that. And he puts it across so well. Like Absolutely. the one foot in front of the other thing yeah. puts it across so, so well. Yeah. And you will get there. And that's the key. I think, yeah, that's the, the thing for me is that, like you said to me, I'm, I'm not going to come here and go, I did, I did this, but I'm not to blame. Yeah. It's my fault. Mm. You know, what happened and what was going on was, was my fault. If I hadn't have done that or wasn't putting myself in those positions, no one can say anything about you. No. There's, there's always the thing, there's no smoke without fire. Yeah. Um, if you don't put yourself in these positions, you're not going to get yourself into to the, the pickles that you get yourself into. And I think, and it's crazy really, because January the 1st, I know it's cliche, it's New Year's Day. You, you, I've been out day and I think Christina had gone with the kids of her mum and they'd done this separately. Obviously, when it all kicked off, that was their plan was to, was to pull away and whatnot. So I was sat there on New Year's Day and I was on my own. And it's like, this is sad. Mm. Like, you know, I've got my family, I'm not with them, this is sad. Um, my son Billy came and joined me, um, and it was eight o'clock, and I said, come on, what are we do? I said, I'm going for a run. And I thought, I determined in that day that I was going to do every single day in January, I was going to do something. And I ran around Tadpole Village, and it's 1.5 miles, and I'm an ex pro, um, and f pride, fitness was my thing, and running was my thing, and I was blowing. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember running in big, thick tracksuit bottoms, just a hoodie, and I would never do that, but I just had to go and do yeah. it. Um, made sure my phone was in my pocket for my steps. Then I've got my Fitbit sorted, but it was like, I need these steps, got to get these steps. Um, and I ran around, it was 1.5 miles, and I did it in like 13, 13, 14 minutes, which was shocking for me. And in my head, I could still run quick, but you know, I'm 41, I have to understand my capabilities. Um, and since then, I've done everything, every something every single day, uh, with the exception of maybe two days. I think through January to Feb, I was ill. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd run myself into the ground, and my body couldn't cope with it and shut down on me uh, for two days. But I've had no more since January the 1st to today. I've never taken any more than two days off doing something. It's good. Um, so it's been a great, great story fitness-wise. Obviously, I've watched a lot of uh, the T2 stuff. Um, you know, I've been around you guys now for a while and, and seen what you do. Um, I follow Brad Gray, I think, I believe he's an ex yeah. review as well. I've had some PTs with him a couple of years ago. So you just pick up things and obviously all my knowledge from my football background in, in doing this. So, and I've recently started a class at David Lloyd called Blaze. Right, yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, which was tough. Yeah, it's not for the faint of heart, is it? No, no, it's not. And I, I loved it. Yeah. I love it. It's given me that um, competitive streak back. Uh, Good. And that nature. Uh, you know, running alongside one that may be younger than you and uh, whatnot. I'm thinking, no, I can go that quick. But yeah, my yeah. hamstring's saying, no, you can't. Yeah. Um, you know, my glutes are saying, no, you can't. But no, I still push it and work. But in terms of the counselling, you know, mindset, like Danny was talking about the mental side of it, fitness has, has been huge because I've, I had a really, really low moment when I had a text I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a text I didn't like and it was actually someone texting my wife of why she shouldn't be with me. Um, and I read it and I saw it and it hurt. It really, really hurt because I, no, that's, they don't know. They don't know what's, what's going on. Um, and what I would have done before was I would have gone and sought out, um, not praise if you like, but attention. I would have gone yeah. elsewhere and gone, right, I need attention. Yeah. I need someone to make me feel good. And that's what I did. Um, but this time I turned it around and I, I went out for a run. I, I put everything down and I went for a run and I did five, six K quick, aggressive, um, and I came back and all that negativity had gone. Yeah. Um, and it was, right, that's good, I feel better now. And I was then able to go and talk about it mm. without reacting or, or being angry. So 
it's been it's been tough. I'm not you're not going to sit here in line and talking about it. It's tough, and I get nervous talking about it. I yeah, was nervous coming here. Yeah, of course. Um, and want to address it, but it needed to be addressed. It needed to be talked about. Um, because it's not just about that. I'm not just that. Yeah, of um, course. I don't want that to you know represent who I am and what I've done because I've worked very very hard in in building Wims to where it is. Um, but I need to to remember what's important and and, and continue along this journey and, and not let it slip yeah it's the most important thing that's key positive habits day by day that's good um but that was that's what i said to you before and when we booked this it was the same thing like you can talk about talk about it by all means let's yeah. you know it, it's it's uh, an environment where you can it's obviously not what we're known for um in terms of uh our conversations with, with people but what yeah. we want to try and do is is to give you a chance it's uninterrupted to to, to tell me what's going on and it's um but for me it's all about going right let, let's I need to know about the person. I want to know about the person. Yeah, I think it's what I, what, I, what I wanted to achieve from from coming on. And it, again, it might be different from what your typical T two podcast would be about, but it's irrelevant. Um, it's relevant in terms of my background is sport, is mm-hmm. football, professional football, semi professional football. Um, and I think you guys mentioned it the other day in in, in terms of the podcast where you talked about you look at a Premier League footballer on on the outside everything's fine. Yeah, you don't know what they're dealing with on the inside. Um, you know, Gary Speed would mm-hmm. be be one. Um, and I have to say, with what happened with the video, there's people that's committed suicide with stuff like this. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I was close, but it entered my mind because I was. It was. It's, you're low. You're very, very low. Um, and like, like the counselor said to me, you need to give yourself credit because you've got up every single day, put one foot in front of the other, and you've carried on with life. Yeah. Um, and that's that was a great message from her. Really, really, it it, it, it hit me hard. Um, and I've done that and I'll continue to do that and I'll continue to work towards finding a cure it sounds really strange but you know making sure that I'm better yeah. um, and it is mindset it is, it's a mental mindset and do you think this thing gets fixed and it leaves you or do you think you just continue to work um, I think I just need to continue to have a period of time mm-hmm. that's the, the biggest thing is that it's because there's never been a period of time where I've not gone with doing something mm-hmm. um, so I think once I can look back and go, you know what? It, kind of like an alcoholic, if you like. He's been clean for, for two, three years, maybe. And I think once I can look back and go, you know, I've done that now. You, you, maybe you're, you're out of this. You, you've, you've come out the other side. Um, and that's my goal, is, is to do that. There's, I mean, habits like phone. I mean, phone is a nightmare. It was, I was glued to it. I mean, it caused anxiety because I wouldn't sleep, not knowing who was going to text me, not knowing what I was going to get, what messages you were going to get. Um, because I'd put myself out there. I'd, I'd yeah. done that. Yeah. Um, I'd have it by my side all the time. You know, I'd pretend that it was fine. I wasn't on it, but I was. Um, you'd be searching for it. So there was a lot of removing, a lot of blocking um, and ignoring and also being open and honest. And I sat down and pretty much told my wife everything, every little detail, which was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to draw a line in the sand and go, right, can we just move forward? But for her and, and for us, and for me, it wouldn't, would, wouldn't work. Um, so there are some very personal stories that have come from that. And it's been good to get that out there. But now it's up to me to keep it that way. Yeah. Um, because if I start creating new new stories, uh, like I said, with the no smoke about fire thing, then it's, I'm only, I've got my own self to blame again. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it is a, it's breaking habits. That was the biggest thing. Um, and not replacing the void if you like and the void in my life I think the counsellor she addressed it as the uh, empty face in the crowd mm. so when you're growing up you've got your family there everyone's supporting you everyone's watching you've got the buzz of playing and you've got people watching you and that just went it all disappeared so I was replacing it with other things um, so it's, it's finding other things to replace that void mm-hmm. um, 
I think fitness is one of them, spending more time with the family. I've not done since, you know, since September last year, I haven't picked up my laptop or phone past six o'clock in the evening uh, since. That's it, positive. It's, it's rare. Yeah, it's been, and I think Kristen says, well, if you need to do work, you have to do I said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to know. Unless I'm coaching, which is six to seven, it goes away. Yeah. Um, I used to be up at two in the morning replying to messages. Um, and it just created a whole bad environment yeah. for me. You know, you're all over the place, you know, organization wise, I'm productive. And then when you did have time, I was off doing my thing. Yeah. Um, and just nothing was, nothing was right. So things had to change and habits had to break. And I, I've gone back and I've recalled on past memories in terms of fitness and how I've, good I felt when I trained mm. or when I trained every day. Um, and that was, that's been a massive, massive help. Um, you should take a leaf out of Danny's book and book yourself some little challenges. Yeah, no, that's what I think you should do. You're not the first person to said that either. Yeah, do a 10k, do a half marathon, yeah. do a three peaks. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Do yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. That'll give you. Well, my to my shoot first for. challenge was was obviously getting back into it. Yeah. Um, the next challenge was I used to run. I remember doing a, a mileage. Uh, Castro used to work at Castro back in the office days, and you know the office days were were, were good because it was to enable to me to coach and to play football semi-pro. I needed a full-time job, mm. so I was doing 70 hours a week and. I've got that in me, that, mm. that, that graft and that work ethic in me. So they did a, Castro did a GTX high mileage launch. Um, and part of the way to promote it, because they had a gym downstairs and they were about fitness, was to run a mile as quick as you can. Um, and I did five minutes, nine seconds, um, which was like, you know, I'm, that's quick. It's mm. relatively quick for a mile. I can do that. I can run. And my challenge was to get to a six minute mile again, because I was doing seven and a half minute, eight minutes and I was blowing. I didn't yeah. feel great. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, and I, I put it on my Instagram story of how proud I was afterwards, I got to five minutes, 56. Um, I was dead chuffed. Yeah. Really, really chuffed. 41, I've done that. So the next shadow, okay, I can beat that. So I did 549. Yeah. Um, and that's a mile. So these are little goals I'm trying to set myself. Um, you know, in the blaze class, it's like, right, I'm an incline five, 24 speed you yeah. know, in the sprints, which I've achieved. But I think my hamstring's going to pop, so I don't trust it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next step is to go to rehab or back to fitness. I think Luke does it as well and, and, and go and see them and, yep. and, and get it checked out um, to make sure I can then perform. And then the next challenge from there is 10K mm -hmm. um, because I've done just below that. I've done 5K relatively easy. I've always used to run small distances, but quick. I like to go quick, not that I get bored when I go long yeah. distances. So I get, you know, 10 K is the next challenge um, for me. And then from there we'll, we'll go from there. But like you that. said, you're not the first person that said, no. go and get a challenge. It'll keep your mind focused. I think that's yep. a really, really important thing. And, and if you listen, I'm a, again, it's going to surprise nobody. My next sentence is I'm a massive Joe Rogan fan. Right. Um, and he had Tyson Fury on his podcast yeah, yeah. and he was talking about his challenges and he said he needed a goal. He needed a goal. He needed a goal. Yeah. Every time got have this, to achieve that, to achieve that, to do another stone lost or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. And constantly working towards those goals and it allowed him to kind of control his demons, mm -hmm. right? Whether it was drink and drugs or whatever it was, control them yeah, and yeah. to give him some sort of positive um, affirmation of what he's achieving. And that was what it was about. And I can't sit and say that I'm any sort of expert. I'm not. But in terms of what fitness can do to focus the mind, yeah. it's, I think, almost unmatched. I think it's, it's, well, I know it's been hugely beneficial because obviously I've had, you know, people say they've, they've looked at me um, and kind of look slimmer, mm. you look healthier, which, which is naturally obviously what you, you, you know, you want from it. Mm. Um, I think the other side of it as well is, you know, my wife's noticed there's, there's a difference at home, you know, there's more producti productivity. Mm. Um, I think... <laughs> I've got two young children, so tiredness, I'm absolutely shattered all the time. So yeah. I, hopefully that will change and I can sleep better because one of the biggest things I hope to get from this where I could start sleeping better. Yeah. Um, the next, next challenge is diet. Yep. Um, and diet for me, my diet's poor. 
it's, it's not good enough for what I'm now doing with my body. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a strange way because I find it easier to eat better because I'm fitter. Yeah. Um, I'm more aware. You don't want to waste that effort. No, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm coming, but I, because I feel better as well, I, I think you go and have a, a bad meal like fish and chips and my, my dad does the best fish and chips at his fish and chip shop so I'm not going to grumble too much but you used to eat stodge and you feel oh you yeah. know awful and I was putting this in my body on a daily basis you know and that's even as a professional footballer back in the day we didn't eat very well we weren't educated properly yeah, it's a different day um, it's so much different now and I've got people around me like Nathan who's, who's gone vegan or, or Segan yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Called. and the, 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 the why he's done that and Luke who's now full on vegan so you, you're influenced and you see people do these things and the changes in their bodies. And you're like, can I do that? Can I yeah. go vegan? I'm thinking, no, I can't. I love my meat. I love my chicken. I love my steak. Um, but I can make changes. You know, I don't need to do what they're doing because they're elite athletes now yeah. and I don't need that. Um, but for my own well-being, you know, diet is, is the, I guess diet's the next challenge for me is, is eating better. I've got up this morning, I have watermelon, banana and some water. Love that. Um, I'm still hungry. I still yeah, yeah, I the bet, bacon yeah. roll. I smelled the bacon roll as I came in. <laughs> oh, can I just get a bacon roll and just you know, push in towards lunchtime? Yeah, yeah. And I got my vices like Starbucks and uh, you know Coca-Cola, which I've had for life. Yeah, you know, Starbucks is, and I have a grande peppermint mocha, which is ridiculously full of sugar. Yeah, yeah. And it makes your belly feel gross. And you know, that's, it's so easy to go. We're going to go out for a coffee, and yeah, that's yeah. your coffee of choice, oh, and it's a real every problem. Day. <laughs> I would drive out my way to memory services to get a Starbucks yeah. and get my peppermint mocha. But again, I can just you know, I've had a cappuccino this morning, which was lovely, really nice. Yeah, milk, but um, it's like I'm craving that peppermint mocha. But yeah. if I can break those habits, financially it would be brilliant too. Because I yeah, spend of course, so much money there. Um, it's just cutting those things down too. I think a lot of the time people go cold turkey on things. So if yeah, you yeah. need to do it, yeah. But it, you don't necessarily have to, like taking five of those a week and going down to two yeah, is a yeah. massive not only calorie save but yeah. sugar save and whatever else. So that's already positive. Exactly. You know what I mean? yeah, so, yeah. It's again. It's, it's just. It's. I think. Cold turkey. I was used to. I, I, my opinion was, and I was quite arrogant in this. If you, do, if you want to stop, you just stop. Yeah. No, that's not the case. It's not, not as easy as just that. Do it. Yeah, no, it's not as easy as that. I mean, come on. For twenty years now, I've had you know <laughs> compulsive sexual disorder of, of some sort, if we want to call it that, and I've not stopped it. No, I didn't stop it. So it's a habit. It's breaking habits. Food is the same. Coca Cola is the same. You, you get that quench. Um, lack of willpower I think my, uh, mm-hmm. my wife called it my dad called it, you got no willpower he's always said to me you've got no willpower I have mm. and I'm like yeah I have no I have I can do this I can do this and then I'll go and get a Coca-Cola from the fridge because it's ice cold and it's dripping with condensation yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh you know what sort of shapes your dad in working in a fish and chip shop uh, he doesn't eat it he doesn't he stays away from There's it he willpower. has done for years yeah well he obviously I love the, the odd time now and again but he's a scuba dive instructor right um, wow. uh, very highly qualified so scuba dive medic and highly he's right up there on the wow. paddy the scale uh, so that was his next stage of life, really, from yeah. the age of, I think, late 30s. He'd stopped playing football um, after breaking his leg, and he got into scuba diving. And it kind of consumed him, really, because he, he took on from there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my mum and dad separated as well, which was which was sad, especially for my mum, because she's not dealt with it very well. And mm. she's she's got a similar journey to me in terms of her mental mindset and overcoming demons. And, you know, I think it's... it's so I've seen that at close hand. She's been through a lot, breast cancer. Um, losing her parents in the same week so that she's had loads of battles you know with, with herself and self-esteem um, so it's tough to see that but my dad's journey was was one of I think he just saw his kids grow up and said I'm done now I'm I'm gonna live my life yeah um, so he's moved down to Torquay now I believe he's, he's got a new fish and chip shop down there right outside the ground um, football ground we went down there for the first time the other week and they were, they were the typical lemon place fish and chips they were still the best yeah um, but it's it's kind of I didn't want it to 
I think it was sad to see we don't see him as much because of the way and the impact's there. But you know, I'm pleased for him to a certain degree that he's, he's doing what he's he wants living to do. His life, living yeah. his life, yeah. Um, I don't think he gets to scuba dive as much because the new shop is taking up all his time. And he is 60, 62 now. So right. he's still got, I think he, uh, diving-wise, I'm not sure he gets to go out as much as he'd like to. Yeah. I think he'd still want to do it, but it's hard. It's, it's a tough graft. Um, but he's been out to the Red Sea. He's dived in all different places. Wow. So he's lived, he's lived his life. Yeah. Um, and so he's in, yeah, relative, I'd say he's in good shape for a 62-year-old man. So, Fair play to him. Yeah. Good. Um, listen, with I hope today is as... Hopefully you're not... It's, your nerves weren't uh, justified, I, I guess, is yeah. the best way of putting it. Um, and that you've, you've kind of got... Uh, conversation on what, what you what you they wanted to do. They, they were good notes. I think so. Yeah. Um, like I said before, we didn't want to go into we don't need to go into full detail, but it's um, it's good to to kind of have a chat about things. Um, and I wish you every success in in terms of obviously Thank you. getting to where you need to be. Yep. Um, the challenges and the goals that you set for yourself, but also for the business, um, setting up those extra four teams. And, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I wish you every success with that. It might be the hardest challenge. I for think you that will up. be. Yeah. 